Hey Mike, after that super hot interpromotional angle that was started on last week's Dynamite, did you watch Impact this week on Tuesday? No, Kevin. Did you? Of course not. Time to play the game! So, after that, we also didn't watch Dynamite. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, to be fair, uh, we were coming off, to be fair, uh, we were coming off of War Games, the fallout from War Games, and then the fallout from the biggest Dynamite episode. I mean, safely, at least the way they promoted it, it was one of the highest ratings I've ever done. I believe it was also the tallest. Yeah, it was also the tallest. Um, had the most mass, like a dying star. Uh, th- so there was two big shows we were coming off the fallout of, and we had to pick one. And we haven't really covered NXT in weeks. So I think you made you made the call. And since you're kind of the boss around here, I begrudgingly accepted and, uh, and, and followed your lead. If I'm the boss, and- are you the cleaner? Never, <laughs> never. Uh, couldn't never, couldn't even once. trick you into being Kenny Omega in that situation. No, not, not once, not ever. But we did watch. Oh no, 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 we didn't watch War Games uh, together. <laughs> you barely watched War Games Singular. at all. Yeah, uh, but I did. I watched War Games not uh, as it was going on, but I actually watched it uh, as of recording the night before our recording uh, because I felt like if I don't watch this, Mike's going to be like frustrated with me for not seeing it. And it turns out I watched the whole thing and you didn't. Uh, Mike is frustrated with Mike uh, because he really <laughs> wanted to watch uh, War Games because I had like dental work over the weekend and I was like, I got nothing planned for this weekend. And then uh, Sunday night came along. I forgot and I went to bed at like 8:30 thinking like oh I'm going to get like a really good night's rest woke up the next morning and uh was going through the uh squared circle subreddit and was like fuck I missed it <laughs> well I didn't love this show and uh, for probably some reasons that you will kind of uh, expect uh, coming out of the gate with someone just um uh, illogical contrived spots that we see in all these big kind of matches yeah. but there were some there were some highlights of the show but you did you did actually watch the first match the women's war game match war games match right i did yes uh so were, were how impressed were you mike about the fact that shotzi blackheart has no longer rides a toddler's tank to the ring she has now graduated to a straight 11 or 12 year olds tank. I mean, I think that's got to be an improvement. And she built it herself. Well, we, yeah, we saw the vignettes. She does a lot of really good metal work. Uh, when when this wrestling thing doesn't work out for her, it's certainly not so far. She can always fall back on that. 
Yes. Uh, and that's, that's really important in today's climate that we have going on here. Uh, well, listen, in, in the COVID culture, you got to have backups. Exactly. Um, so tell me what your thoughts on this match. It, there was, I think, a lot of issues with it. One, I don't really understand the baby faces getting the advantage in this situation. Um, more often than not, in a war games match, I feel like the baby face is always at the disadvantage and it works better for, for the, their team in the long run. Um, I, I think but the, that, but there's a, pro, there's a problem with that though. When you have two war games matches yes, every year. Yeah. You can't be formulaic with both of them. It's too much. It's too much to do that. But I, I get what you're saying. I'm sorry to to cut you off, but it's another reason why having a war games pay per view is stupid, and having two war games matches on a pay per view is stupid. Yeah. You know? and, and with all of the the contrived spots, um, oh my god, I, I I would be remiss if I didn't call out the biggest one in the entire match, uh, being. Shati Blackheart climbing to the top of a ladder to deliver a senton and Candice LeRae was holding this chair over herself before Shati even got up to the top of the ladder. Like the timing on that was so telegraphed that I, I, I think that people over in Denmark saw it coming. Uh, <laughs> There were spot, there were moments in this match, and they did a big before uh, EO got in the match. Uh, I think when there was six of them in the ring, they did a very contrived six person, you know, multi person suplex off the ropes. Where they did it in, in, with in each ring, they had you know three people doing a thing, and it was I, I could I believe that you could take that tape and bring it to a wrestling school as a way to show people what not to do in professional wrestling. It was staring back and forth at long periods of time. Ember wasn't in the right position, so she had to run up and get into position, and everyone's waiting for it to happen. And this entire match was just that. It was just people getting into position to do things that they were supposed to do before instead of just wrestling and fighting. And I just, I hated every bit of that. I, I... do you know, can you guess when I decided just to fast forward to the finish? Can you guess? Um, I'm, I'm assuming that you it was at, I can't remember all of the spots. So you, no, I, I, I fast. I, so when Oscar the Grouch jumped. Oh, so it was the trash can the, spot. Yeah, I when Io Shirai that was my goes first to the top, reaction, but I figured like you were mentioning things after that, so it had like it had. To oh be no, that that six per- that that six person spot happened, you know, way before that oh, okay. uh, situation. No, when Io went to the top in a goofy comedy way, put a trash can on top of herself and jumped once again, waiting looking, mugging for the camera, putting the trash can on herself while everyone just stood and stared at her. Those catch spots always suck. They always suck. They always will suck. And jumping off the top of a cage is boring. It is one of the most boring, contrived, stupid things you can do in pro wrestling in in these days. And they did it twice. 
They did it in the first match, and they did it in the second match. And if you're going to do that, you might as well just say, well, this is a shitty contrived pro wrestling uh, pay-per-view show we're putting on. So the second I saw that with EO, I just fast-forwarded to the finish. The second I saw it with the punter in the uh, men's match, because they did that, once again, you didn't see it, but Pat McAfee uh, jumped off the, the cage and the second they did that, I just fast forwarded to the finish because you've lost me. You're, it's the fact that they don't have a, a top on the cage for these war games. The fact that you can, they can, that means they have to do these spots where they jump off, or maybe they took the cage off, top off, so they can do these stupid diving spots. I think the latter is probably more likely. I just don't get when you've got supposedly eight talented pro wrestlers and you can argue that with the women's match with people like Shotzi Blackheart being involved you can argue that with Pat McAfee being involved in in the men's match but tons of talent in the ring and you have people running down to the ring and spending five minutes underneath the ring grabbing random objects and throwing it in the ring instead of just going in there and punching someone in the mouth you're in a cage. There's eight people. You can get tons of brutality. All the, uh, all the, the uh, suspense and everything is there. You don't need to add ladders and chairs and tables and uh, and hammers that look like they weigh one ounce. <laughs> when when uh, e- when uh, Rhea Ripley grabbed that that hammer out, you could tell by how she grabbed it that that thing weighed nothing. Yeah. It was made of plastic, and when it Dropped on the on the uh, mat, it bounced, and that's basically supposed to be a mini sledgehammer. Yeah, a rubber mount Why? would bounce, and that has some weight to it. But yeah, that that was a a strange bounce to it. Everything about it didn't work. Just watching people go, I'm running. I'm gonna get in there and beat someone up. No, I'm gonna go grab a bundle of Singapore canes. Why? Go punch someone in the mouth. Go wrestle. Go have the advantage and beat somebody up. So I don't like the entire concept. I did not. I thought this was so poorly timed in spots that it was just unbearable. Yeah. Um, now, one thing I'm I'm going to watch this match either tomorrow or sometime this weekend because I heard very good things about the Thatcher Champa match. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the fam, uh, that, that match was great. It got me back into if the opening match is a match that was, was designed to piss me off. Basically, as the kind of wrestling fan I am, I'm not impressed by what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish, and I'm not interested. Nothing for me here, right? Uh, so it's like that's about, that's that's where I am. The Thatcher and Champa match is what I'm there for. It's what I would sign up for. It's what I want to see in professional wrestling. It was brutal. It was just a fight. It was a fight. It was not as good as, say, uh, Baller and O'Reilly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, I can't remember, the, and this is unfortunate for me, even though I really love the match, the last match that Thatcher had on a takeover, which I really, really enjoyed, which now was I feel Finn. bad that I can't remember. Wasn't it? Was that Finn? Wait. Uh, or, uh, Finn I'm sorry. Thatcher? No. Um, 
he did have the one against Finn uh, that was a few takeovers ago. Maybe, maybe that's the one I'm referring to. Anyway, I always love everything Timothy Thatcher does, but it wasn't the best match they put together, but it was a great wrestling match. They grappled. They fought for position. It looked like a struggle. And if you show that to somebody who is into mixed martial arts, they're not going to shit on it immediately. And both these guys are so good at what they do. When I was watching this, and I, I I tried, I looked up and see, I wanted to see if Dave Meltzer had did his star ratings for these matches from Takeover, and he there wasn't anything listed online. I didn't really know if I was looking in the right spot. Anyway, I could not help but think Thatcher and Champa versus Omega and Moxley, which we saw the week before on AEW. I guarantee that was a four and nine quarters star or whatever, you know, nine tenths star, nine quarters, I'm an idiot, <laughs> nine tenths star match from Dave Meltzer. This was such a better match than that. It was so much more interesting. It, it felt more personal and brutal. It was a great professional wrestling match, and that was an exhibition of things people were doing. And it just keeps coming back to, this is what I want to see. I want to see Tommaso Ciampa do what Tommaso Ciampa does. I want to see Balor. I want to see O'Reilly. I want to see Thatcher. I mean, uh, Karrion Cross, who came back this week, uh, who had a really cool, interesting match with Keith Lee back when he was done in NXT. I love this stuff. I would kill to see this kind of wrestling on AEW and more of it on NXT. Yeah, uh, it's... it is the stuff from that, that that reminds me of the old takeovers when we were watching them a little more religiously, uh, and it was like that when those shows were over. It's like yes, this this is wrestling. This is what makes us love wrestling is those matches. That match in this card, and once again, not the best match for either one of these guys in my opinion, but just very very good. Uh, it looks like a different business. It looks like other people are playing around and doing stuff, and these guys are in the wrestling business. And I just, I loved every second of that. Uh, the Triple Threat, uh, strangely enough, I kind of enjoyed it. I, I really, I, I was kind of surprised to see, you know, a, a Triple Threat, which I usually am not really into because someone's always sleeping on the outside when other people are doing things. I hate the no DQ stipulation. I, if for the love of God, stop being lazy and just, if, if Johnny Gargano uses a lead pipe or someone interferes on his behalf, disqualify him and turn it into a one-on-one match. Give us some stakes. Give us something that will resemble a professional wrestling match instead of this free for all. But Overall, they did some innovative things. Gargano had some some cool spots that I really really liked in here. Uh, they did some innovative things with the you know there were there were things that happened in this match, and I didn't write down many very many of them honestly because I was hoping you would remember. Uh, but I, I liked the way this match played out until the end when we had like a total of nine different people or seven different people in, in scream ghost face masks come out to interfere in the match. Damian priest beat up like six of them. This is so 
why keep doing this? Why keep going to the well? Why have six or seven people come out in these masks when you're never going to unmask them all? We're never going to find out who all these people are. The Gargano family is expanding, unfortunately, but they're not going to have 14 more people join their little group of whatever the hells. So it's just random faceless people he got to come out and help him. It's no story there. It's it's just, well, we can't just have one person come out because we have to have, why have one when you can have seven? Bigger is not always better. So the finish was finally we had someone out in a ghost face mask come out after Priest had beaten up six or eight or ten or however many, hit Damian Priest, Gargano gets the pin, wins the belt, and we find out that, oh, it's Austin Hypothesis who was in one of the masks, and now he's part of the Gargano family. Uh, didn't love the finish, thought it was contrived, but I thought they got there in a pretty creative way. I thought it actually worked pretty well. Yeah, I, from the sounds of it, contrived finish, but I I trust your opinion on uh, how they they got there. Yeah, and that, once again, I, I was kind of... I. I was not expecting to enjoy the match. I kind of liked it, you know, and I think that's a good thing. You know, open-minded. That's that's definitely a good thing for you because, yeah, like like you said, you normally don't like WWE triple threat matches. Yeah, but they they did it. They did a good job with what they had in front of them. Uh, I did not watch the Cameron Grimes match. I was going to because I said to myself. I kind of sort of like Cameron Grimes, even though he's a ha-ha-ha heel. He does ha-ha-ha heel stuff about as well as you could do it. <laughs> and he's got a big personality. He's, he sells like his ass off in the ring. So I kind of got a, a soft spot for Cameron Grimes. And Dexter Loomis has got a great look. And I said, okay, I'm going to sit down and watch this strap match. And maybe it's going to really impress me. And maybe it's going to kind of, you know, sell me on Dexter Loomis and it's going to be a good match after all the nonsense that we've seen before. And then they showed a preview, a package before the match that featured the zombie referee. And the second that I saw that in the pre-match video, I just decided to skip it (laughs) because I said, if you're not even embarrassed enough by how you got here to not show me that, if you are not hiding that in shame then I will not watch your match. So I didn't watch it. <laughs> uh, I I read good things about the match. Like I, I heard that it was, I heard, I read that it was entertaining, uh, that both guys put on a good performance and uh, th- they thought that uh, both men looked good coming out of it. They very well might have. I, I, I do think that there's there's talent there, obviously, in Grimes, I just said. There might be some really good talent there in Dexter Loomis. But no, zombie referees. No, no, thank you. So uh, I checked out of that one. And I also did, I didn't make another note even uh, until the, the, the main event. Did, did I miss a match there as well that I didn't make any comments on? I don't think so. Um... Okay. The main event itself... There are there is tons of talent in this ring, tons of talent, and I was I was very hopeful that they were going to give us the kind of brutal, 
intense war games kind of match and not resort to all the extraneous bullshit. Use That's the structure. Yeah, I know. Use the structure, use the town of the people involved and give us something special. And they started out beautifully. They started out with O'Reilly and Dunn in the match. And it was pitch perfect. This was two guys. They grappled. Uh, Dunn trying to get the joint manipulation. It was intense. It was brutal. It was the perfect two people to start the match out. Absolutely perfect. It made them, They made the match feel like a War Games match with the, just the two of them in the match. And it made it feel like there were stakes. It made it feel like it was vicious. And I, I, also, I would just say, I would eat up a feud between these two. I'd love to see these guys in the ring just beating the piss out of each other because they were very, very good in their, in their interactions. And then you had the heels had the advantage in this one. And we ended up having a situation where, uh, and this might be later on in the match, where we had the same thing that happened with the women's match, where about halfway through, everybody that came in had to grab something under the ring before they got in the match. Because why why just use the structure when you can just grab toys out? By the way, toys we see in every other match, so they're not special when you see them. Uh, Danny Birch brought out two cricket bats. And these cricket bats must have been made by the same people that made the sledgehammer from the women's match because they looked like they bent on any time you hit somebody with it and they looked like they weighed about 13 ounces and were made of light plastic. Uh, so Danny Birch grabs these and tries to beat some people with it and then eventually they just evaporate. They're just gone from the equation because <laughs> this is the problem. Bring a gimmick in that should end, you should be able to crack someone over the head with and kill them. Well, once you hit someone with it once, what are you going to do? Just when they're down, just beat the piss out of them until they're dead? No, you got to get rid of it because if I have this in the match and I don't keep using it, I'm a moron because I have a weapon that I can just beat someone to death with. But if I do that, then that's not a match because this match has to go two hours long. So eventually they just forget that they have these weapons in the ring and stop using them. It's it's the same thing, the Triple H sledgehammer thing, is that he never actually tried to hurt anyone with a sledgehammer. Well, the the great thing is Triple H, what's one of his favorite things to do with a sledgehammer? Hold the sledgehammer by the hammer part and jam it into someone's stomach. Yeah. It's a fucking sledgehammer, dude. That's not how you use it. Danny Birch grabs the cricket bat holds it by the end, and jams it into someone's stomach. If you're going to use it, use it right. And use it for an angle or an end-of-a-match thing that's actually going to make any sense. So it went off the rails there, and you just had so many spots in this match. Now, this was not as contrived as the women's match, uh, not by uh, by a long shot, but we had Pat McAfee. He spent the first three minutes of the of his portion in the match, pulling out individual tables from underneath the ring, each one with a different member of Undisputed Era's names on it, and sliding it into the ring instead of getting in the ring and fighting. I'm fine with Pat McAfee not wanting to get in the ring. He shouldn't want to. He's not a wrestler. But 
furniture arrangement has never been something I want to watch on a wrestling show. Guys going through a table on ringside, that makes sense. That's a prop. They're throwing people into a prop. They're not bringing props to the party and then setting them up. Also, McAfee looked blown up by the time he got the fourth table out <laughs> and rolled into the ring. He looked like he was totally blown up. So yeah. I just, I don't feel any of this is necessary. If you know how to lay one of these matches out, if you've got the talent you have in the ring, which you do, you can do better than taking this time to stop and set everything up for the future. And you know what? Like I didn't, I didn't see this match, but Pat McAfee is the type of person who I can almost accept doing all of this, like grabbing weapons because he needs to, he is not a wrestler. I hated, 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 hated that EO of all those women was the one pulling weapons out. Like, she's the one who's grabbing all of these weapons. Yeah, some of the others did too, but she was the one pulling out the most weapons. And, like, to where, like, I feel like Shotzi is the one who would have made more sense if you're going to go with a baby face doing it that should be pulling out a ton of weapons like that. And the thing is, you're mentioning ways that you can make this work a little bit better. McAfee did some good stuff in this match. He did. He played chicken shit for the most part. He tried to stay away from everybody. He only came in to... He he played the manager role that you would see normally. Eventually, it changed over because this match went a long time. Way longer than it needs to uh, or it needed to. But he did some good stuff in there. And McAfee has a personality that makes you want to punch him in the face i get that he was doing the job if he would have gone underneath the ring grabbed something that was a barbed wire baseball bat or one of these stupid gimmicks that everyone has to have and just basically got it for protection and stand and stood in a corner and gave orders that could have been a cool spot and if it was the only weapon in the ring because he brought it in there and that weapon ended up being used in the finish. Wow. That would have made sense all around. Would it not? Yeah. Right. You could have used something like that, but they, instead they, they throw the kitchen sink at it. Uh, they, they, they stop the match to say, okay, furniture arrangement time. Okay. We're going to do this instead of getting, keeping you in it and keeping you being a part of it. And, uh, sympathizing, empathizing with Kyle O'Reilly, who was down on the mat or whatever is going else, else is going on at that time. Uh, at some point, uh, as I told you earlier on, Pat McAfee gets out, does a swanton off the top of the cage. Everyone stands there. They did it as safe as they could. So McAfee was up there for 10 seconds composing himself while everyone's looking up and staring. Staring. Waiting. So if I'm a baby face, I'd go, hey, I don't want that guy to fall on me. I'm going to take one step to the right. And you've saved everything. Yeah. Uh, but they do the same spot. And when I saw that, I said, okay, this match ain't for me either. And I fast forwarded to the finish. Um, there was one spot in this where Undisputed Era took out everybody on McAfee's team, except for McAfee. 
pretty convincingly, each one of them, the four of them, hit a move where they were pinned between the ropes and the cage, ending with a super kick by Adam Cole. They're all down, and then they all ganged up on McAfee. And I was like, oh, here's the finish, right? They beat up the hired hands. They've got the smart-talking asshole. They've got him dead to rights. He has no right to be there. They beat him up. They pin him. It's over. That's not the finish. The finish was 20 minutes later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So there was just, there was tons of places to end this match. And it just, it just didn't have any of the feel of a great war games match. It was just a spot fest with a bunch of things happening. It had no ebb and flow other than the first 10, 15 minutes of the match while the guys were getting in the ring. It felt good. There were some really good things going on because there's really talented people, but this was not made to be epic and uh, and get feeling out of people. It was made to set up spots that honestly no one will ever remember ever again. Um, and if you're going to do a huge spot, make it something that's going to be memorable. I got to give you some credit for something memorable. I, I think in this uh, show, I don't think that you've ever said Pat McAfee's name as much as you have in this episode, because typically you just refer to him as the punter. Well, so this is the thing. Uh, I hate that the punter uh, (laughs) is, I hate that he went toe-to-toe with Adam Cole. I hate that he is a professional sports athlete that has no business being in a wrestling ring, and he was made to look like he did. Whether or not he can do it or not is not the point. It's the fact that he shouldn't be able to do it. Uh, Apparently, Shaquille O'Neal was showing up on AEW uh, the night that we were recording this, and he has no business fighting Cody Rhodes because he's not a professional wrestler. I feel this strongly because I think you should protect your business and and you should promote it as a sport. Nobody thinks that Pat McAfee can go beat up Conor McGregor. Nobody thinks that Shaquille O'Neal is going to go beat up Mike Tyson, right? So no one should think that they can come in and wrestle. So I've been very against McAfee from the beginning. But you have to admit, the guy is pretty good when it comes to talking trash, when it comes to his body language, when it comes to his punchability as far as someone you want to smack the shit out of. He's a pretty good heel. And... His group of guys, other than Pete Dunne, I like uh, Lorcan and Birch. I think that they're a solid tag team. Yeah. But they're about as bland and boring as you can find. This is not a, this is not a crackerjack team. And somehow he's made it work with his presence. So a little bit of applause for Pat McAfee. Uh, I, I don't want to see him wrestle... I, I as a manager, as an Andy Kaufman kind of character that you just want to see get his ass kicked and every time he goes up against a wrestler he does, I think he would do a great job. So I, I have to give him props when I see it. It's very similar to, to Bobby Lashley getting his name back when I started to think <laughs> that he wasn't totally dog shit. You know, uh, I, he's not the punter anymore. He can be Pat McAfee. Sometimes. Sometimes. Interesting. So let's talk a little bit then about the NXT TV that we saw this week. 
and we sure. had a very uh, Monday Night Raw start to things. Of course. With uh, Finn coming out, cutting a good promo about... Yeah, I thought so. Like, all right, end of uh, team team sport activities. Now let's focus back on the real deal, me, the champion. And then interrupted by Pete Dunne. Interrupted by Kyle O'Reilly, by Judas Priest, Damian Priest. <laughs> uh, interrupted by Scarlett. Um, like I, I, and I loved, uh, Finn's reaction when the first three were out bickering with one another and he just walked out of the ring and priest is like, yo, where are you going? Like, I got nothing to, I know when I'm going to defend the title. The rest is up to Regal. You all can fuck off. Uh, he didn't say it yeah. in those words, but that's the the attitude that I got from it. That was the vibe you got. Yeah, yeah this was a Monday Night Raw opening, and it wasn't a good one. I, I thought that Finn did an okay job. Pete Dunne didn't do a great job. I, I'm glad that they're giving him a chance to talk. We have to address the way Pete Dunne looks right now. Yeah. And I know we had a match later on to talk about it. Pete Dunne is an exceptional pro wrestler. He yes. is undersized yeah for sure but he is exceptional he's in that category of the kind of person that wrestles different looks different sells different and makes me go oh that's pro wrestling his match he's all with tyler Bate a few years ago at takeover chicago like had me on the edge of my seat the entire match practically it was masterful and he's also a shade of orange that doesn't exist in nature. Or yellow. That's what I'm saying. What is it? We're not sure. <laughs> I don't have a Pantone book in front of me right now that I can pull out and put a swatch up to the TV set. He's lost. He's slimmed down so much. Yes. And, I mean, he's in great shape. He's 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 wiry. He's strong. But the the dramatic difference in body t- uh, he, he went has. from an undersized kind of pun- pudgy stocky. guy let's say stocky to now being a undersized skinny ripped guy like none of it really makes sense and he's also orange yeah so when he did that did the working out did that turn him orange? Is he on a diet that's very high in some kind of he is uh, vegan. vegetable or mineral mineral that will turn him that way? Uh, well, good for him. But he, he needs to he needs to drop the the singlet though. The singlet doesn't look good on him anymore. I, listen, I'm not listen. I don't want to comment. I don't want to comment too much on the fact of his of his weight loss or whatever it might be because you know that's good for him. I, I, it is. He's in he's in, he's in incredible shape. He's an incredible shape. He's an yeah. incredible wrestler. But the skin tone. <laughs> I, I don't want to focus too much on color, right? I don't want to be uh, bigoted towards orange people. But whoever told him that was okay, that was not okay. So you look ridiculous and please stop it. Uh, I've never really heard Pete Dunne talk. Thinking Probably a good thing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And he's gotten by this far without talking. 
He doesn't appear to be very good at it, but you know what? He can hone his craft on NXT. That's fine. Kyle O'Reilly's a weird dude. A very weird dude. (laughs) And he cuts very strange promos, but I don't know. Maybe it's because I really like his in-ring work, but I'm okay with it. Uh, But the star here on this entire talking segment to me was uh, Damian Priest. He doesn't seem like Gothic Chris Angel anymore. He's he's he in his his promos after he won the North American Championship. It was he talked in as booming a voice as he possibly could, and he was all about partying and doing this, that, and the other. All of a sudden, he's just kind of casual, cool, and basically he's a badass. He knows it, and he's cooler than you, and he can kick your ass. And he comes off that way in these promos in a different... He's talking in a little bit of a different voice. It seems like his own. It doesn't seem like a character. I'm going to say something that sounds fucking insane, but I. it seems a little bit like the genesis of The Rock when he was turning to be a heel. He seems like he's finding a voice that's his own that is a little effortless and really, really works for him. And I've been a big fan of his for the last couple months. I said he should have the North American Championship. He shouldn't be fucking around in the, in the feuds that he'd been in. He's a superstar. And now he's coming along with the promo in a way that makes me even double down on that. Uh, you, you know, that that analogy or comparison is a little, a little scary in how close it, it, it could be. Um, I mean, it's over the top. The Rock was one of the biggest stars in the history of the business, ended up being the biggest movie star of the 21st century. So uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm reaching a little bit, but I just think the guy's got to look. The guy can work. Yeah. He really can work, and he doesn't do too much. You know, he's one of the reasons why I enjoyed that triple threat match so much. And the fact that he was appearing on this show in multiple segments didn't make me go, ah, they're pushing Damian Priest down our throats. Ah, this is just annoying. Why is he out here again? I found myself going, yeah, Priest, come out here and beat up Finn Balor. Let's see you guys go to, oh, you and, and Karrion Cross. Okay, I'm cool with that. Oh, go back and beat up Johnny Gargano and take that championship. I'm okay with Damian Priest being a part of this because I feel like he fits in each one of those segments. Yeah, and and uh, I also agree with your assessment on just how he feels he feels natural or or, uh, appears natural in the way that he talks nowadays and he has such a great voice like just this deep booming voice that demands your attention uh it's almost like uh i don't know if you ever watched preacher uh but just uh he he has the the voice of God pretty much at one point that he can make people do what he wants uh, just by saying certain things. And I feel like Priest has got that. He just when he talks, just the tone and uh, of his voice makes you listen uh, yeah. immediately. And now that the substance in what that voice is saying is uh, attractive or at least makes sense. uh makes it even better. So he's coming along and he's putting that whole package together. And yeah, he already had a good look and was a good worker, like you said. So yeah, it's, it's all really coming together and making me like him more. 
Good. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm not, I'm not the only one. Um, I'm I'm trying to think of what uh what came there, next. I mean, there's just uh, there not wasn't that we necessarily a, need to go in order. No, I mean, there wasn't a lot on this show that I was really all that into, honestly. I mean, you had the Gargano family uh, coming out, expanding. There's uh, they are the, the way. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> they are the way. The way. You, did I'm you not it. even listen to them? Because I know you don't like to listen to them. I did. See, usually when the Garganos come on TV in their condo in Orlando, I go, <laughs> okay, I don't have to watch this, and I fast forward it. This was an in-ring promo, uh, Austin Hypothesis, who has a good look, who I've liked better on NXT than his presentation on Raw, even though I still think he looks like a crater wrestler. I was like, okay, let's see what this has to do. So I watched it. I didn't listen to everything, so maybe I missed that. They kept referring to their group as the uh, way. We don't need more factions in pro wrestling. We just don't. We need to stop with the factions because they're just there's too many of them, and we it's just not necessary. But this means we're going to get five more next week. Of course we will. I think they seem like a very very poor man's inner circle. Uh, there's it's just too much comedy and silliness and no substance there's just no substance to any of the things that they're doing and they tried to play comedy on this whole entire thing and you know austin was playing this i can't win a match i need to go find myself kind of thing and then he gets pulled off the scrap heap why are we going to get a promo from him saying that gargano found me and gave me a direction that would at least be something. Uh, I don't know. I I just I, the other women, woman I, who I don't know. I know they mentioned her name every week for Indy the past Hartwell, month. Hartwell. Yes. Believe. Yeah. I, how how could I care less? Did she buy them a flat screen TV at some point? Is that something that's in my brain that now has to be there forever? I don't understand why this exists. Gargano is showing more personality as a heel than I thought he could. And Gargano has done more with this heel character than I thought he could. I still don't buy it for the most part. Yeah. This is me. And I might be in the minority there. And I'm comfortable if people say, no, no, I buy it and it's great. Fine. It's just not for me. I'm not really enjoying it too much. Yeah. Um, I'm going to harp on their self-given possible name uh, a bit more because the way they ended this promo, they cut like they cut a little line as if it's like the, now the slogan for the group, and they said, "You're either in the way or you need to get out of the way." And my wife goes, what? Like, she's like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's actually both <laughs> yeah. at the same time. If you're in the way, yeah. you need to get out of the way. Uh, yeah, it's stupid. Uh, yeah, I did not realize that that was a thing. I'm glad that I tuned out to that, and I'm sorry that you told me what it was. Um, they also think they're Mandalorians. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what that means because I don't watch that. No. Their, their slogan is, this is the way. Oh, gotcha. 
moving on. We had Champa, and he was fighting Cameron Grimes. Yeah. In and this was a match that I kind of looked forward to. I really like what Champa obviously did the, the a couple nights ago on the pay per view. And when Thatcher came out, I went, "Oh, they're not done. That, they're not done." And after their match, they did have a stare down while sitting on the ring apron. It it it, it was a brutal match. One of the things I didn't mention about the Thatcher match with uh, uh, with Champa. Thatcher keeps bleeding from the ear. <laughs> it's like his thing now. And I he took a really, really vicious looking knee, which I think is what how he bled. But <laughs> that's not supposed to be a thing that happens often. I feel like that's your, your brain seeping out. So, Mr. Thatcher, please stop taking such brutal uh, smacks and knees to the to the head. But it showed almost maybe a sign of respect. Is it over? Is it not over? And when he comes out, I go, okay, I, I, I want to see more of this. I, I can I can dig that. And I've been asking for a long time for Thatcher to get a freaking win for the love of God. I still don't feel like he's going to beat Ciampa because Ciampa is such a bigger star. But at the same time, you know, Ciampa's not 25, right? Yeah. Champa's also slowing down a little bit in the ring. His style is very different than it was three years oh, ago. Yeah. Right. So maybe at some point he'll put Thatcher over. I, I think that wouldn't be a terrible idea. And the way they did it and the Grimes thing. And I mean, it was a fine match. It was, it was okay for what it was. The one thing that stood out for me other than Thatcher and Champa continuing their feud was the fact that the, the distraction from some guy uh, uh, something rust. Yeah, him too. <laughs> uh, the distraction from that human did not lead to Champa losing. Yeah, he wasn't just a dope that lost because of interference. He actually won the match, which makes sense because Champa should win matches because he's a star. Yeah, and I, I I thought that this was a good match too. It was good. Uh, my problem with it is that Cameron, Cameron, what the hell am I? Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes (laughs) doesn't win, and he's in comedy matches with Dexter Loomis. And now he's going 15, 20 minutes with Tommaso Ciampa. It's one of those balancing things that kind of bothers me on a regular basis. So I'm nitpicking there. No, it was fine. I, I like the guy. Like I said, I have a little bit of a soft spot for him. And... You know, Thatcher uh, beating up Grimes at the end and and flipping him around and getting him in some kind of toehold. I mean, they're both heels. That's weird. But I like Thatcher more than I like Grimes. So I'm cool with that, too. Yeah. I mean, Grimes is a delusional haha heel. And to think that, like, he was in some sort of deal with Thatcher and be like, hey, you were supposed to help me and blah, blah. We Mm -hmm. had a deal. And Thatcher would be like, fuck off. Like, yeah. uh, I, I call the shots here. Was it, It's a it's a nice touch, but it it shows that he is still powerful and, and all that. But like, you, like you've been saying for feels like months now, he needs a big profile win. Yep. And just to be able to establish himself as that guy, uh, he, he needs to have broken someone and beaten someone. And uh, in, in order for the gimmick to to be able to continue for longer, Thatcher, if 
they if they curated <laughs> his character a little bit, they could make him a Kurt Henning style person on the NXT roster. He doesn't have to fight Hulk Hogan, but he can run a program with Hulk Hogan and be a credible threat that loses. He can hold a mid-card title and put somebody over for a mid-card title. He can have a great match with everybody. He sells like a million dollars. He's just really, really good. He doesn't have to be the guy. He never has to win the championship, the NXT championship. Does it? He shouldn't. He shouldn't. I'm telling you, he shouldn't. He has a different kind of a style, and I don't think it works necessarily for the NXT champion. But he can be around that title, always be a credible threat, and always be the kind of person that goes, well, I don't know how to solve this guy. But they has to give him wins along the way to make that work, and they just haven't done it so far. Yeah. Because anytime they put him in the ring with someone, it's going to be a good match. It's going to be brutal. It's going to look real. It's going to be the best match that guy's had on the roster. No, it was funny uh, reading through some comments about the, their match on TakeOver is how surprised a lot of... I feel like either some people just have never paid attention to him or maybe never saw matches of his. They were like, man, his selling is amazing. His facials are some of the best in the business. And I'm like, yeah. This dude's been doing like been doing this on NXT TV for months now. Like he, he's he sells, good. At he sells jelly legs, you know, uh, wobbling around the place. He's his body language. He's just yeah. It's he's the whole package. He's the whole package as a pro wrestler. Like I also I also think uh, of him a little bit. I know you say that he you don't see him in the world title picture, but I I feel like you could get a, a short little run out of him as like a Bob Backlund heel like uh champion there. I would like it, but I'm in the minority. I don't yeah. think he's the kind of person that holds that championship in the day and age that we're in. But you you're right. But he's he could be more of a honky tonk man, long term secondary title guy. Or a guy that has a title and puts over someone else for it relatively quickly. Damian Priest as the NXT champion a year from now. Hopefully Damian Priest will be farther up in the card. Maybe he'll be on the main roster by that time. But Damian Priest having to solve Timothy Thatcher and have Thatcher chasing Priest would be a great program because they're the, they're the polar opposites. Priest is cool. He's collected, he's calm, he's bigger, stronger, and more impressive looking than Timothy Thatcher. But Thatcher is an enigma. You have to solve his style, the, the way he presents himself. And it could give a guy like Priest fits, and it could make you think that he's on the precipice of losing at any moment because of how good Thatcher is. And then when Priest beats him, he's even better. That's what's the great thing about a character like that. Yeah. And if you if you do it right, you have that person to continue to elevate your own people while still being believable and then go back down and beat the piss out of somebody else to get his heat back. So that's my thoughts on that. It's a little bit long-winded. Um, what else we have on the show? Uh, then I think uh, Raquel and uh, Ember Moon, really. In the main event. 
I really like Raquel Gonzalez. She she has shown a lot of good good stuff uh, from the match with Rhea at uh, was it ho- yeah at Halloween Havoc, which and, I loved. I thought that was a yes. great match. And she held her own in a complicated, blown out, overbooked match. I mean, and she the- they gave her the big spot in that to pin the champion. And the best part about that War Games match was Rhea and Raquel. Yeah. 100%. I watched that happen relatively early in the match before all the nonsense broke out. And I said, I want to see these two fight. It's it's believable. It works. They've got chemistry together. Uh, there's money there to be made. And I obviously we we had that match at Halloween Havoc that I was kind of I was really really happy about. And as a person who's still relatively new to the industry, at least it feels like uh, she might have been working for ten years, but she's not a finished product. But you want to talk about selling on your feet? She's a giant in the women's division. And she sells on her feet really well, from my estimation. And I've never taken a bump in a ring, so you know I know what I'm talking about. But for me, in this match with Ember Moon, she took two or three bounce off the rope, drop kick, kick to the face, whatever it is, and finally goes down to one knee. It looked really good. I believed it. I believed that Ember Moon had to chop her down. That's not an easy thing to do. One of the things that Steve Austin always uh, talked about with uh, with uh, the Undertaker is that what's so impressive is he could sell on his feet. He could sell on the move. He could register a hit but not go down because when he went down, that was important. It was something to register. If he took a punch to the face and took a bump off a punch to the face, it would kill the mystique of the character. It wouldn't make when you actually took him down mean something. Raquel Gonzalez is doing a bit of that with the fact that she's the biggest, baddest person in that division. So that's a skill. And it means something when someone takes her down. And it meant something when Ember Moon took her down. And it meant something for Raquel Gonzalez when she didn't job the Ember Moon here, even though she's a former champion and she's a returning person after being on the main roster. And I was sitting there going, man, they can't let Ember Moon go over Raquel Gonzalez here because Raquel Gonzalez has a much higher ceiling than Ember Moon does. And they made the right decision. The match went a little longer than I would have chosen. But they did the right thing here. And they did the another tease for Rhea and Raquel. That was the right move. This was kind of spot on for a main event. I don't know if it was a main event. I don't think it was a great, great match. But the characters worked. The dynamics worked. And I liked it. I, I would go along with that. And I I have just been so impressed by Raquel's uh, just performance over the last number of months. She has you can tell that she's still she still has room for improvement in the ring, but man, she's she has gotten better seemingly every time I see her. Hundred percent, and just couple that in with a, an intimidating uh presence and like you, you're making something special here and I, I i think that that's great i mean Rhea was not Rhea overnight 
it took time to make Rhea into the monster that she she is. And then they kind of chipped away at her. But yeah, they've made some real mistakes. They've they've made a left turn on her character, which they I mean not her character, but her her direction. When I was watching the this the war games match, when Nia Jax started in NXT, I thought, great. This is a woman who looks like no other woman on the roster. She's a believable monster. And this is going to be a really cool thing. And Bailey got a pretty good match out of her. And there was some good stuff that happened on NXT. And then she went up to the main roster and she got exposed as someone who is dangerous to work with, who is one of the worst promos of all time, and is basically useless in the ring. Uh, she's also a like mask denier and basically said that like, you know, God is my, you know, God made my breathing system and he'll save me from COVID. So she's also an idiot. But uh, I was I was really excited to see someone like Naya as a monster in the women's division because we needed that. And I look at Raquel Gonzalez and I go, oh, she's just a much, much better Nia Jax. Right. Yeah. She looks unique. She's not out there selling sex appeal. She's out there trying to kick the shit out of somebody. Mm-hmm. She's already a much better worker than Nia Jax ever was. She sells better. I haven't heard her talk much, but when I have heard her talk, she talks better. Yeah. So they've got something with her. They're, they're going to take some time. The continued feud with Rhea works for me. I want to see it. I want to see these guys go at it. So. Uh, kudos to NXT for doing that and for continuing to bring along some new up and coming people. I would, I'll watch Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley all day. Not that interested in Io Shirai, not that interested in Candice LeRae. A lot of the people in that division, I just don't really care for. Um, but I, I'm still very interested in Io Shirai. I, I, I think that she is, probably one of the smoothest workers in the business like she she's makes very talented she makes very stuff talented. Look effortless uh does look like she's going to probably be going into a program with uh tony spark plug storm um <laughs> you see that jacket looks like something <laughs> fucking bob holly used to wear I I like Tony Storm. Uh, I think that the heel turn was kind of out of nowhere, and I yeah. don't really get it. Uh, I think it feels like a thing to do to get Io Shirai in a feud. But I like Tony Storm. Uh, the thing I don't like about Io Shirai is that everybody she's in the ring with seems like a bigger star than her. Dakota Kai was a bigger personality and a bigger star. Uh, to me and i'm not a huge dakota dakota kai fan but she's got a heater in raquel gonzalez next to her that ups her stakes a lot she's a good wrestler and an okay talker so everyone she's fighting whether her or rhea ripley or now tony storm and then raquel gonzalez all seem like big time pro wrestlers and eo's a really good worker and I don't see a lot else. That's my my issue. And also her size just throws me off all the time. So that's that, that, that. It's not taking any. Well, actually, it is taking something away from her. But I don't. I want to give her the props for what she's able to accomplish and what she's able to do. But I just don't find her interesting as the as the NXT Women's Champion at this point. When you've got 
three, four, five other women on the roster that I think are much, much better fits for that spot. Okay. I was, I was just trying to count count in my head who you might be thinking of, but I, I think I, I know who you might be. Okay. I'll just say Tony Storm. I think is a, it would be a better fit for that. I think Rhea, of course, would be better yeah. than that. Even Raquel Gonzalez at this point, I think, would be a better uh, in a better place for that. I think Dakota Kai is very solid in that. Um, I don't care for Candice LeRae, but I think she'd be a better champion at this point because she's a more loathed character that someone could chase, and she's more featured, and she can cut a promo. Not a good one. But you can cut a promo, uh, so you know that's kind of where I am in that in that situation. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So that's that's the show. We we did get. Uh, we're going to have a tag team match, Johnny and and Hypothesis against. Uh, no, no talk. Leon Ruff and uh, Kushida next week, <laughs> which is so random. I be your partner. <laughs> um, like, all right, sure. But then this, I, I was absolutely expecting William Regal to come out and be like, "All right, we're gonna have a fatal four way." And the winner will face Finn Balor at the next uh, this New Year's Evil thing, and it's going to be Pete Dunne and Karrion Cross and uh, Damian Priest and Kyle O'Reilly. We didn't get that, so I guess some kudos to them for not doing the most like telegraphed thing. Well, first of all, they could do it next week. For sure. Uh, Listen, I'm all for finding a way to get somebody in that number one contendership, but I'm also fine with just saying, listen, Kyle O'Reilly got very close. He's the closest thing to uh, a number one contender, so we're going to give it to him. I I like the idea of just having a general manager make a decision sometimes instead of putting a fatal four-way match in or a gauntlet match because those things are just overdone. Just break it up. You know, (laughs) yeah. You and I work in the beer business. When I look at my calendar for the year, I go, ah, I can't release two IPAs as special beers two months in a row. I got to break that shit up. So I got to put a sour beer in between those two. If you're running a wrestling promotion, like a brewery, break that (laughs) shit up, man. You know, sometimes you don't just say, oh, well, every time we have a number one contenders match, we're going to do a fatal four-way or a gauntlet match. Sometimes you just name a number one contender because they're the person that's won the most matches. Let's pretend like AEW is doing things correctly and their ranking system works. Do something similar to that and say this person actually won their last 14 straight matches and they're the number one contender to the uh, to the title, and then you can go back to your contrived ladder match stipulation to get into a fatal four way that leads to a gauntlet match that then decides the number one contender. But don't do that every time, please. Obviously, Kevin doesn't pay attention to all the breweries that release IPA after IPA after IPA after IPA. Uh, yes, that's true. When they're just that kind of brewery. <laughs> Listen, Mike, my analogy was apt. 
apt, I say. Um, before we wrap up here, anything else you want to add that's non-IPA related? You know, I'm actually somewhat interested to see what happened on AEW tonight because we joked, we joked not about Shaq. We joked that we did not watch Impact, but I do want to see a recap on AEW. Not because I think it's going to be good, because I think it's going to be stupid, but just because they did build some intrigue. And I joked about it after the last episode of No One Gives a Shit. And then I thought more about it, and I'm like, I kind of want to see what the follow-up is. So maybe I was wrong. Maybe there's something here. I don't... I'm, I'm to the point with AEW, like I am with Raw and SmackDown, that we don't watch anymore, is that I do have no faith that you're going to do something well, but maybe you can pull something out that's going to gain my interest. So I'll be interested to go back and watch the episode. I did see that Impact uh, tweeted out a video that was of Tony Khan and uh, uh, Tony Schiavone, the Tonys. Uh, and Tony they're, Storm. They're one, they're one short of Tony, Tony, Tony. If they get Tony Storm. <laughs> that Yeah, that's all they need. Uh, and it was like, this, this has been paid for by All Elite Wrestling. And I was like, that's, that's kind of cool to be like, hey, this other promotion paid us to put out this little advertisement. I didn't watch the video uh, because I, I don't know why. <laughs> it just shows how interested you were in that, Mike. This is, this, this is called damning with faint the, praise. The, the concept worked for me more than the content. Uh, but yeah, well, I, I do want to see where it goes. Like, like I was saying last week, I, I think that it is cool to do like a brand warfare thing from a cross promotional standpoint. WWE doesn't know how to do brand warfare because they're the same company. But I thought that this was just from out of nowhere and there should have been some more teasing to something like this before full on going like, but the problem, Mike, is there can never be brand warfare because no brand ever wants to lose. If yeah. you don't own both brands, you can't do brand warfare, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we saw that with the supercars, uh, with the WCCW and the AWA. Like, no one wants to lose. They want to put on the cards, but, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't work. I will uh, harken back to, I mean, the the last one that I recall uh, and and watching was Ring of Honor against CCW back in, I don't remember what year, 2007 or something like that. Uh, and Ring of Honor won. Like they, yeah. they straight up won the, the, the feud out of that. And, but I think that CZW, they were definitely uh, a lesser company, but sure. it got more eyes on them. And I think that well, they thought of that as a as a big win for them that people got to see some of their uh, stars and be like, oh, I'll tune into their show and see what's going on with them there. It, that's, that's if, a good, if you 
if you're not an egomaniac running a promotion and you can look at it that way and be like, I can get exposure out of this. I lose, no big deal. But if we can gain a few thousand or like a thousand more uh, people buying DVDs or buying our e-pay-per-views or something like that, that helps. And, and and honestly, that's that's a very good comparison to Impact versus AEW because they're getting like a hundred thousand people to watch their show, and yeah. AEW is getting seven hundred to nine hundred thousand people to watch their shows. So for them, it, it it should be viewed as a as a as a benefit for them. But and I saw also, the rating for this last Impact was like, and it was a chart. Uh, I can't remember the type of chart, but week over week. And then there's this gigantic jump uh, for this one. So, I mean, if they look at that as a as as a positive out of the whole thing, and if they can just get better ratings and get more people's eyes on it, losing a feud like this doesn't hurt them really. It's true, but what does it gain for AEW? Because they're now. Uh, proposing something to a much lesser brand that's not going to get more eyes on their product. So it has to be a great storyline. It has to be something that's interesting, that draws you in, that makes you feel like, oh, I need to watch next week. Maybe they're doing that, and maybe we missed it because we haven't reviewed it yet and we didn't watch it, and then we'll talk about it next week, and it'll be the greatest TV show of all time. (laughs) I really hope so, because I I still am hopeful that at some point they'll turn that ship around and put on a pro wrestling show instead of uh, Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, I I absolutely hear you on that. All right. Uh, Anything else? I don't think so, Mike. All right. Well, thanks everyone once again for joining us. We'll be back here next week uh, talking about more wrestling. We'll we'll tune into AEW and uh, see what's going on over there. In the meantime, uh, for Kevin, my name's Mike. We'll catch you next time. Good night. Good wrestling.